I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Deuteronomy chapter 12. Today we'll be looking at verses 1. Um, I have 1 through 32, but I think I'm going to stop on uh, 14 today and then uh, return back to the rest of it next week. But uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12, starting in 1. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page 146 in the Pew Bible. Page 146 in the Pew Bible. Today we're talking about honoring God in worship. You know, we can either honor or dishonor God in worship. Right? We, we can do either of the two, right? We can honor God in worship or we can dishonor God in worship. And a lot of people say, well, no, no, if you're coming to worship God, uh, it's all about honoring God. Well, no, no, you can actually dishonor God in worship. Now, think about this. Think about Mary Beth's birthday is coming up in December. Think about, you know, if, if I came to Mary Beth on her birthday and I had her, a, you know, a package there, a, a present, and, ooh, baby, I spent a lot of money on you. You're going to like this. And then she opens up that present, and I've given her a hunting trip, right? I'm going to take you hunting, baby. That wouldn't honor Mary Beth, would it? Because she doesn't like hunting. Now, that, that would be, you know, me getting a little gift for myself, right, through her. But that would not be honoring Mary Beth because she has no concern for hunting. And, and so I can honor her or dishonor her with a gift that I give her for her birthday. Well, the same is true when it comes to God. If we honor God, if we come to worship God in a way that displeases God, in a way that he has not prescribed, then we don't come to him to honor him. We come here to honor ourselves, maybe. But we don't come to honor God. Worship can, in fact, dishonor God. Now, today we are... Moving on in our text here in Deuteronomy, we're moving on to the next section in the Deuteronomic law. As you remember, Moses is expounding and applying the Ten Commandments through the Deuteronomic law. Chapters uh, 6 through 26 is all about uh, exposition of the law and the application of the Ten Commandments. We spent several weeks on the first one. Chapter 6 through 11 was all about have no other gods before Yahweh. We give our wholehearted allegiance to God. Today we come to chapter 12, and chapter 12 in itself is the exposition and application of the second commandment. You'll make no carved images. You'll make no carved images. And if you remember back when we were going through the Ten Commandments, uh, that you shall not make a carved image has to do with respecting God's dignity. It has to do with respecting God's dignity, or to put it another way, it, it has to do with giving God the honor that he deserves, the honor, the respect, the dignity that he deserves. 
Because it's not about worshiping another God. If you got the first commandment down, you'll have no other gods before me. Then when we come to the second one, you'll make no carved image. It has to do with making a carved image to represent God. And you remember that from that message, if you were here for that message. And that's what the Israelites did when they built the golden calf. Right, as Moses, as God established his covenant with them, they said, yes, he will, Yahweh will be our God, we will be his people, Moses, but you go and you talk to God for us and you just come back and tell us. Then Moses went up the mountain, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. What has happened to Moses? I don't know what's happened for him. Aaron, build us an idol. Build us a golden calf. And it wasn't another God, they were building this golden calf to represent Yahweh. But the problem is they were making Yahweh out to be something less than he is. That's what idols do. Right? We, can, we can say that we're worshiping God, but we can do, worship God in a way that he hasn't prescribed, and we're making God something less than he is. And that's the whole point with this. As we look to honoring God and giving him the respect and the dignity due him, then that must, means we must treat him as he says we should treat him. We should honor him in the way that he says honor him. And so one of the primary ways that we show our honor towards God, the way that we honor God, is through worship. So Moses applies the second commandment to the Israelites. As he does this, he, he focuses in on worship. And so his message to the Israelites and to us today is this, take care to honor God in worship. Take care to honor God in worship. And the way he brings this out here is he contrasts worship that dishonors God to worship that honors God. He contrasts the worship that dishonors God with the worship that honors God. So I'm going to do that same thing today. I want to show you first worship that dishonors God. And then I want to contrast against that worship that truly honors God. And we're going to see some differences here. So uh, in chapter 12 here, we, we, he's talking about worship. And we know that worship for Israel was different than it is for us. Jesus tells us this, and we'll get to that. Moses, he focuses in a lot on the place of worship. We don't have a certain place like Old Testament Israel has, but we have a person. But we'll see that as we draw, draw out this text. So I, I'm just saying that so that you're aware as we go through this, there are some uh, differences between how this applies to Old Covenant Israel and how it applies to us today. Now, I hope as we go through this, I hope you see why we do some of the things we do here in our worship service, and why we don't do some things that a lot of other churches might do, right? Because it all has to do with honoring God by worshiping him in ways he has prescribed for us to worship. So if you found your text, I'm just going to read verses 1 through, uh, 1 through uh, 14 this morning. So if you found your text there, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Now hear the word of the Lord. These are the statutes and rules 
that you shall be careful to do in the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall surely destroy all the places where the nations, nations whom you shall dispossess serve their gods, on the high mountains and on the, on the hills and under every green tree. You shall tear down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and burn their ashram with fire. You shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their name out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, but you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name and make his habitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your contributions that you present, your vow offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and of your flock. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household, in all that you undertake, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall not do according to all that we are doing here today, everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. For you have not as yet come to the rest and to the inheritance that the Lord your God is giving you. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around, so that you live in safety, then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offering and your sacrifices, your tithes and your contributions that you present, uh, all, and all your, first, all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. You sh <clears throat> and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants, and the Levite that is within your town, since he has no portion or inheritance with you, take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see, but at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Lord, as we read about worship this morning, we study about worshiping and honoring you with our worship. Oh, Lord, open our, up our hearts. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts willing to obey and conform to your manner of worship, Lord, the worship that you have prescribed so that we might honor you and glorify your name in all that we do. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, first, Moses takes and he looks at worship that dishonors God. 
Worship that dishonors God. Now, what kind of worship dishonors God? Well, he notes that in the first, he, he notes that worship that dishonors God is modeled after the world. Worship that dishonors God is modeled after the world. He, he says that, I'll, I'll, you know, he has that whole paragraph there where he talks about as you go into the land, what are you supposed to do? You, you look at all the idols and all the places of worship that the, the pagans worship, and you're to tear all of those places down. You're not to leave a trace of these idols in, in the land. You're to tear it all down. You're to burn it all down. You're to erase it from the land. And he ends with this sentence there, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. Furthermore, down, down the line there in verse 31 of, at the end of this chapter, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way for every abominable thing that the Lord hates they have done for their gods, for they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. And so uh, God tells the, the Israelites, you're not to worship like the world worships. You're not to do it the, the world's way. Because the world's way is not honoring to God. It is dishonoring to God. Right? Uh, they do all kinds of things that actually go against the very nature of God. There's chaos. There's harm to other people. That's what the world views, right? And God says, don't do it that way. You don't get your, your order of service from the world. Now, here's the problem with the whole seeker movement, right? The seeker movement. Um, those who, who they, they'll, they build, there's a lot of churches that they, they form their whole worship service, not around the Bible, not around God, but around the lost. Uh, they go out into the world and they say, all right, what do the lost like? We need to build a worship service that makes them feel at home, that makes them feel comfortable. Uh, we don't need to talk about too much about sin. We don't need to talk too much about God's condemnation, God's wrath. No, we need to leave it light and fluffy and fun. We need to have music that they're used to and they like and, and, and that will draw them in. In fact, I was reading this week and one of those who are involved with the whole seeker movement, right, the seeker-sensitive movement, he, he, he tells people in his new members class, now if you're a Christian and you're coming here to get edified, you're coming to the wrong church. Because he said our church is about drawing in the lost. And so you might not be comfortable here. If you want to hear exp expository preaching, right, line by line, verse by verse through the Bible, then we've got a list of other churches in the area that will be more suited for you, but that, that's not what you're going to get here. Why? Because they, they build their whole church, their whole worship service, everything is around the lost person. It's not God-focused. It's people-focused. It's world-focused. Now understand, we're going to have a different culture of worship than what the Israelites had in the Old Testament. We're going to have a different culture of worship uh, even 
now than they did in the New Testament. There's a different culture of worship here because we're a different group of people and than people say in Korea will have, Christians in Korea, their, their worship service is going to be a little bit different than our worship service. And that's the way it is. Culture, there's, there's going to be some differences, yes. But there's some basics that ought to be there. The Scripture has so, has so prescribed that there's certain things that are necessary that must be there. We conform our worship service not to the world, but to God's standard. You see, because it's not about the lost. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about God. So worship that dishonors God is worship that is conformed to and modeled after the world. Furthermore, worship that dishonors God is driven by self-desire. Huh? Worship that dishonors God is also driven by selfish desire. Self-desire. What I want. What you want. Right? That's what Moses says here in verse 8. As he kind of finishes up there about not conforming it to the world, he says, you shall not do according to all that we are doing here today. Everyone doing what is right in his own eyes. You see, at this point, they haven't entered into the land yet. They're still out there in the wilderness. And even though they have the tabernacle there and and the tabernacle services are going, still everybody is kind of just doing what what seems right in their own eyes. They're not all conforming to what God has prescribed. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. In fact, as you you go on over to Joshua, you find out that the whole tribe of men have to be uh, circumcised because they haven't even been circumcising people for the 40 years they've been wandering around in the wilderness. So they haven't been doing things God's way. But Moses says, that's got to stop. If you want to honor God with your worship, you don't conform your worship to your self-interest and your selfish desires. And, you know, that's what a lot of people want. That's what a lot of people want, especially here in the American church. Church has become very consumeristic in the American church. Well, I don't like the music. I, I don't like the kind of the order of things. Well, I don't like that style of preaching. I don't like this. And it just does nothing for me. Well, that's okay because it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about me. We don't conform our worship to my desires, nor do we conform our worship to your desires. We conform our worship to God's desires because ultimately it's about God. We come here to serve God, to worship God. And and if worship is all about you and you can't stay here because I, I didn't like that song, I don't like this song, if that's your problem, then worship is not about God, it's about you. We've got to be very careful. We've got to be very careful. Now, I know we all, I, I have my preferences, right? I have my preferences. We all have our preferences when it comes to music and style and that sort of thing. And that's okay. But when it comes to corporate worship, to gathering together, there, there has to be some, some give and take, right? There, there, there has to be con, so, com, some conformity here. So that when we come in, it's not just, you know, every song 
pleased me today because it's not about me. But did all of our songs please God? Was our worship honoring to God? Did it give glory to God? Did the message give honor and glory to God? Did it focus on God? So worship that dishonors God is modeled after the world and is driven and or is driven by selfish desire. As we assemble for worship, we need to take care, right? We need to hear the warning that Moses is sounding in this text. We need to take care that our worship doesn't in fact dishonor God. Even as you come together with the saints on Sunday to worship, you need to prepare your heart. Not to be pleased, but to be pleasing to God. Not to have your spirit lifted, but to lift your spirit to God. And certainly, if you lift your spirit to God, God will lift your spirit. But where's your focus? Where's your focus? So God dishonoring wor worship is worship that is modeled after the world and are driven by selfish desire. So that's worship, God dishonoring worship. What about God honoring worship? God honoring worship. God, Moses points this out. And, and I'm going to be honest here, we're going to have to go to the New Testament because I, as I said, as Moses is, is preaching to the Israelites, Old Testament Israel, Old Covenant Israel, there are some differences and so I want to show those to you today. So we're going to get a lot of what I have to say here. I'm going to show you six uh, characteristics of worship that actually honors God, but some of these we're going to have to pull from the New Testament because the New Testament has more to do with us and our worship. But the first thing that we see here is God-honoring worship is first and foremost Christ-centered. It is Christ-centered. Let's pick up there in verse 10. Verse 10, notice what he says there. But when you go over the Jordan and live in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you to inherit... And when you give, and when he gives you rest from all your enemies around you so that you live safe in safety, then to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, there you shall bring all that I command to you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and your contributions that you present, and all of your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. So here Moses focuses on the place of worship. God was bringing them into the land and he told them once they got into the land that he would establish a place of worship, a city in which he would cause his name to dwell. And as we read through the rest of the Old Testament, we know that that place eventually became Mount Zion, Jerusalem. That was the place of worship. And so the Israelites, every time a feast or a festival came along, they would have to travel to Jerusalem, the center of worship, and they would have to worship in the one place to worship God there in Jerusalem, there in the temple. 
But what does the New Testament tell us about this one place? Because this no longer applies to us in quite the same way. Over in John's Gospel, John chapter 4, verses 19 through 26, Jesus talking to uh, the woman at the well there. And the woman at the well asked Jesus about worship. She asked Jesus about worship. Now, the Samaritans, they worshiped God on a hill there in Samaria. But then the Jews worshiped God in Jerusalem on Mount Zion. And so she brings all of this out. And the woman, there in verse 19 of John chapter 4, the woman said to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain. But you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will, worship to, will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshiper will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such people to worship him god is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth the woman said to him i know that messiah is coming he who is called christ when he comes he will tell us all things jesus said to her i who speak to you am he I who speak to you am he. Now here in this text, there's a lot going on. Of course, we can't get into everything here. But notice here that Jesus says it's no longer about the place of worship. The time is coming and is now here. The time is coming and is now here as Jesus came to the earth. A transition was being made. A time of transition was being made where they, where they were transitioning. God was transitioning from worshiping in a certain place to worshiping through a certain person. The Christ who was to come. And Jesus says, I am He. I am He. He says the true worshiper, the true worshiper worships in, in spirit and truth. What does Jesus say later on there in John chapter 14, verse 6? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, it's no longer about the, the certain place, but now worship is centered around a certain person, the person of Jesus Christ. We only go to the Father. We only worship the Father through Jesus. So worship must be centered around Jesus Christ. If it's not Christ-centered, then it's not worship that is honoring to God. We honor Christ. We glorify Christ. We center our worship around Jesus Christ. Worship that honors God is Christ-centered because Christ is the way to the Father. Furthermore, and while we're here... Let's continue on and look at this verse a little more. Worship that honors God is also spirit-empowered worship. 
It is spirit and power. Jesus says the one who worships the Father will worship in spirit. In spirit. Let's focus on that word for a moment. In spirit. In spirit. In other words, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Here again is something that happened that changed from the Old Testament to the New. As people come to know Jesus Christ, they were reborn. They were born in the Spirit. They were given new life in the Spirit. And so Jesus says the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshiper will worship in the Spirit. In the Spirit of God as the Holy Spirit indwells them and empowers them to worship. Here again is the problem with the whole seeker-sensitive movement. They're targeting people who know not Christ and have not the Holy Spirit. It's off, right? It's wrong. Worship is worshiped around Jesus Christ that is centered around Jesus Christ and is powered by the Holy Spirit. It must be empowered by the Spirit. It is for saved people. Right? It's for Christians, those who have been born again, born in Christ, born by the Holy Spirit. Now certainly we welcome the lost to come to church. We want them to come to church and, and I, I proclaim the gospel Sunday after Sunday and I present the gospel Sunday after Sunday because we, if the lost are here, we want them to hear the, the gospel and hopefully come to faith in Jesus Christ. But the worship service is not about the lost. The worship service is for Christians who know Jesus Christ, who celebrate Jesus Christ and do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Worship that honors God is worship that is Christ-centered and Spirit-empowered. Third, Worship that honors God is Bible-centered. It is Bible-centered. Jesus says that the true worshiper worships in spirit and truth. And truth. Later on, he prays, Father, sanctify my disciples in truth. Your word is truth. Now here's where it becomes tricky because you just heard me say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and now the Word is truth. Well, that's because the Word written points to the Word in the flesh, right? The Word written is the revelation, the revealing of God. Our Bible here, the Bible, it reveals God. It reveals God's character. It reveals His nature. It reveals His, his uh, program, what He's doing, His saving works. It reveals all of that to us. And John 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word what became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word in the flesh. He is the, full, the revelation of God in the flesh who reveals God's character and God's work to us in the flesh. But now, Jesus has been resurrected and lives in heaven. And we don't have him here in the flesh. So what do we need? We need the Bible. We need the Bible to tell us about God. We need the Bible to tell us about Jesus. If we don't have God's Word here instructing us, how are we to know anything about God? It would all be guesswork. 
But we don't need guesswork. We need the Bible. And we need to, our worship services to be centered around God's Word because God's Word is what tells us about God. So our, our services must be grounded in truth. Right? It must be grounded in truth. That's why as we're, we're talking about worship today, we're going, we're going from passage to passage. What does God's Word say? Well, God's Word says this. God's Word says that. We, we conform our worship to God's Word. We make sure our worship is that which is characterized in God's Word. So our worship should be grounded in truth, but it also should prioritize biblical teaching. Teaching from the truth, from the Word. That's why, uh, that's why I'm preaching, right? That's why I go verse by verse, line by line, and verse by verse through Scripture when I'm standing before you because we're prioritizing the Bible. Here again, there's a lot of those churches, seeker-sensitive churches, where they prioritize singing over the pro proclamation of God's Word. They'll sing for 45 minutes. They'll give a 15, 20-minute little speech with a Bible verse or two thrown in and call it good because that's what the world wants to hear. But a church that is founded on God's Word and is centered around God's Word will prioritize God's Word. This is the main course. This is the feast Music is wonderful and great, right? It is us lifting our voices, praise you, God. But when it comes to the preaching, we're saying, all right, Lord, speak to me. Talk to me. What do you have for me? This is the main course. Worship that honors God is Bible-centered. So God-honoring worship is Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, Bible-centered. Fourth, it is joyful. Worship that honors God is joyful. Let's go back to Deuteronomy now. Back to Deuteronomy. Notice what he says there in verse 12. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God. Worship is to be a joyful matter. It's to be a joyful matter. It's not to be mournful. It's not to be a, 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 a sorrowful thing, right? It's a time of joy, a time of praising God, a time of giving thanks to God. Now, certainly there are times for lament. There are times for mourning. I mean, we have a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations. It's all about the lament. It's all about mourning. And so there is a time and there is a place for weeping and mourning before the Lord. Certainly there is, but not when we come to corporate worship. When we come to corporate worship, what do we see in Scripture over and over again? We see a call to rejoice in the Lord. When we come to worship, it's a time... Joy. It's a time for rejoicing. It's a time for giving praise and thanksgiving to the Lord our God. I want to show you this over in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, Nehemiah, the, this is after the exile, and there's a remnant of the Israelites who have come back to Jerusalem. A new temple has been built. And now Nehemiah has come, and he has rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. And now they're having one of the first worship services. 
And all the people of Israel, all the remnant that are back in Israel, they're coming to Jerusalem and they're gathering together for worship. And Ezra, the priest, he is preaching God's word for the first time for this nation who, who hasn't heard God's word in, in many, many years. And as he is preaching God's word and he's proclaiming it and he's explaining it to the people, the people begin to weep and mourn because they have come under great conviction. They have not been living according to God's word. And I want you to notice what he says here in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the word of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to everyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord our God. And do not be grieved, for the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the word that they that were declared to them. You see, there was a, a mourning, there was a lament in Israel because they understood God's word. They come under conviction. But as they began to weep and wail, Ezra said, wait! Wait! No! This is not a time for mourning. This is a time for rejoicing in the Lord. We've come to worship the Lord, to celebrate the Lord our God. And so worship that honors God is worship that rejoices in Him and gives Him glory and praise and sings thanksgiving to His holy name. God-honoring worship is joyful. Number five, God-honoring worship is also unified. It is unified, and may I add, communal and communal, it brings in the whole community. Notice what he says there in the second half of verse 12. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your sons and your daughters, your male servants and your female servants, and the Levite that is within your towns, since he has no portion or inheritance with you. Who's the joint in the worship service? Just the men? No. Just the, the men and the women? No. The women, the children, everybody. All of them are together together to worship the Lord. Right? It is a unified worship. They come together to worship. They're not divided here, there, and yonder. It's a communal thing. Moses says bring in all the nation. Bring in everybody to worship. Worship is supposed to be unified, it's to be communal, it's to be the whole body of believers together giving praise to God. You know, there's a lot of people out there today, some may be even watching our services online, and they're not coming to church because they like sitting in their pajamas. 
they like sitting there in their pajamas and, and they get the word of God and they get to, to relax and drink, drink their coffee and do all of those things. And they said, oh, well, I really don't need the church. I mean, here's the message online. Now, given there's some who can't come, and that's why we continue to do it. We do it because of those who can't come. But there's a lot of people who could come but don't come because they, they have other things to do. And, and some of them will say, well, I like Jesus, but I don't like the church so much. So I just worship Jesus on my own time and my own way. You can't do that. You can't do that. If that's your attitude, if you're sitting at home worshiping, right? So-called worshiping at home alone, you're not truly worshiping. Now, I understand there is a, a, certain, uh, there is a, a thing of personal worship. But that's supposed to be enhanced by communal worship. That's not to be the only thing. Worshiping in private is not to be the only thing. Yeah, you worship God alone when you're reading your, your Bible in the morning. You have that time of devotion. Yet that, that is a form of worship. But if that's all you're getting, you're not truly honoring and glorifying God in your worship. Because God causes people to gather together for worship. Worship is to be unified. It's to be communal. It's to be a gathering of the saints together. And in unified voices, lifting up their voices to give praise to a glorious God. And if all you're doing is sitting at home worshiping alone because you don't want to get out of your pajamas, then you're not truly honoring God in your worship. Even your private worship is not honoring God because you're not following what God has prescribed. He says we need to have a time to come together as a body assembled in unified communal worship. So God-honoring worship is Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, Bible-centered, joyful, unified, and I want to add this one in. It is ordered. It is ordered. Now, a lot of the pagan worship, even today, is not ordered. It is very chaotic. It is very chaotic. People cut themselves and dance around and do all of these things. You remember the scene when Moses came back down to the mountain and the people of Israel were worshiping the false idol, the idol, the golden calf. They were dancing around. There was chaos. It was a drunken party. And God doesn't want us to worship Him the way the pagans worship Him. His worship is to be ordered. It is to be ordered. Paul says, tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, but all things should be done decently and in order. It is to be done decently and ordered. Not people running around. Not people turning flips down the aisle. Yes, we can praise God, we can clap our hands, we can raise our hands, we can shout to God. All of that is good and right. But everything that we do must be ordered because God is not a God of chaos. He is not a God of chaos. He is a God who brings order. And so worship that honors Him must be 
ordered. We must take care to honor God in worship. See, it's not about me. It's not about my preferences. It's not about you. It's not about your preferences. It's not about the lost and the lost preferences. You know, here's the thing. Yes, we can invite the lost to come in, but Scripture doesn't say sit and wait for the lost. It says go. Go. Seek and save the lost. Not sit and wait till they come through the doors. We go to seek the lost. We come to worship God. Are you honoring God with your worship? Are you honoring God with your worship? When, it, when you come to assemble with the church and worship, do you prepare your heart to praise Christ? As you're driving here on Sunday morning, are you preparing your heart? As you spend time with God in the morning before you get here, are you praying, Lord God, I, I want to come and worship you today, prepare my heart to worship you? Help me to forget everything else but to focus on you because you are the focus of my worship. Perhaps you need to confess today. Perhaps you need to confess and repent. Maybe you've been making worship more about you and your preferences than about God. And maybe you just need to take some time today to confess to the Lord and repent and pray that he would help you to make it all about him. And of course, true worship, true worship is Christ-centered worship. So worship always begins with coming to Jesus Christ and surrendering your life to Christ. You see, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you can never truly worship God. You might come, you might sing the songs, you might feel good, right? You might get an emotional high, but if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you can't truly worship. You can't worship. So the first step of honoring God with your worship is to turning to Jesus Christ, trusting in Him. He'll save you. He'll change you. He'll give you the Spirit so that you can begin to worship God and honor Him in your worship. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You that You give us instruction of how worship should look, how, how we should program our worship so that it honors and glorifies Your name. Lord, You give us leeways to, so that we can uh, conform to our culture and the, the way that we, we live. But Lord, you, you lay it out for us. The things that must be here in order to honor and glorify your name with our worship. Father, we want to make sure we, we, we do that. We want to follow your word. We don't want to worship in vain. We don't want to gather in vain. But Lord, we want to honor and glorify your name in all that we do when we gather as your church to worship your glorious name. Father, help us to do that.
Show us where we might be failing. Show us individually where we might be failing. And help us to change. And Lord, if there's any who've never trusted in Jesus, they, maybe they're coming to worship, but they've never trusted in Jesus, so their worship is in vain. Lord, open their eyes to see Christ today, that they may trust in him and truly begin to worship. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.